Hello, and welcome to episode 31 of The Jared White Show, recorded May 9th, 2019. I'm your host, Jared White, and I invite you to join me in a curated celebration of the art form that is the web. You may have noticed, if you're looking at your podcast player right now, that the cover art for this podcast has changed. And it's not just the cover art. Everything's changed. Everything is new on my website, jaredwhite.com. New color scheme, new typography, new design direction. So how did this all come about? Well, it all started in March of this year when Apple released their spring lineup of Apple Watch bands. And one of the bands that they released was the Sport Loop in the papaya color, the papaya sport loop. And I saw this, and I was actually in the market for a new watch band. I had been using a a boring, uh, just regular sport band that was like kind of just brown. It was the one that originally came with my gold Apple uh, aluminum watch. And so I was in the market, and I saw this papaya sport loop band, and I said to myself, I must have this. (laughs) I need to get this band. This looks so cool. I love this sort of fun, orangey, peachy. It's hard to quite pin down exactly what color this is. Uh, I just really, really love it. Love the way it looks. I want this band. So I got it, and it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, The Sport Loop design itself is really great. Uh, unlike other bands I've worn, uh, and I've gotten a couple third-party ones in addition to my original one from Apple, uh, but this band, uh, I just I never get hot or sweaty on my skin. I can be I can be out in warm weather and running around and doing all this different stuff all day, and my my arm my the skin on my wrist just feels fine. It doesn't feel yucky. It doesn't feel hot. It doesn't feel gross under that band, which is really important. If you're wearing a watch all day, you know, comfort is is really one of the most important things, uh, you know, as well as, as looking nice. Uh, and this does both. It looks really nice and it feels great. Uh, so that's my, <laughs> that's my 30 second review of this band. But as I was wearing this watch, uh, I started to notice that uh, this sort of color was popping up in a few other places. And I did some research on the matter and discovered that this papaya color, uh, sometimes uh, called living coral, sometimes called turmeric, there's a bunch of different names floating around out there for this this sort of uh, fresh, natural orange look. Uh, but whatever whatever you call it, uh, this is the color that's in fashion right now. So <laughs> it comes as no surprise that this is a color that Apple picked for their watch lineup. Uh, I have a link in the show notes to an article at Refinery29 with examples of all sorts of different items of clothing and accessories and in some popular spring colors this year, one of which is this sort of papaya color. Uh, So as I was thinking about this, and I was thinking of potentially doing a, a little bit of a refresh on my website, particularly the the podcast cover. I, I mainly just wanted to do a new podcast cover for the Jared White show. And I wanted it to be, uh, you know, so, sort of match whatever, whatever design language is going on on the main jaredwhite.com site. Uh, and I was just walking around one day, a, a 
couple weeks or so ago. Uh, and all of a sudden, boom, this, this whole new color scheme, this whole new look to the site just flashed before my eyes, just like that. <laughs> Snap, and 50% of my website design goes out the door, and I need a new one. <laughs> That's a reference. Anyway, uh, so I decided to uh, redo do my site, and so now it has big, bold spring colors, papaya and green, and the typography is all different. Uh, let me talk about that real quick. Uh, I have a couple different fonts on the site now. Uh, previously, the, the main body font was this, this really nice sans serif font called Fira Sans. Uh, it's actually an open source font that was uh, done originally for Mozilla's Firefox OS. It was the official OS font. Um, but it continues to live on, and the sort of um, the monospace font variant Fira Code has become super popular with developers. And uh, so it's a font I've really liked, and I didn't have any real intention to want to change it on my website. But uh, Monotype came out with Helvetica Now, a, a new refresh of Helvetica for the modern age, for digital devices, as well as print and other uses. And I saw Helvetica now and just immediately fell in love with this, this new version of Helvetica. It's just gorgeous. It's, it's really, I, I forget what their exact tagline is, but basically Helvetica now is the Helvetica you always wanted. It's just gorgeous. Uh, I, as soon as I saw it, as soon as I started to make a few visual comparisons between Helvetica Now and previous variants of Helvetica, I just knew I had to use this on a website right away. And if not a client site, then my own site. And then I decided, well, why not? Why not just change my site and use Helvetica Now? Because it looks awesome. <laughs> uh, so I started with that as the new body font. And then I decided to try something a little bit different for the headings instead of just sort of a standard serif font like you might expect to see on Medium or some other blog out there like that. I decided to try something really different. Uh, and after playing around some different ideas, I ended up finding this beautiful slab serif font called Yorkton Slab. Now, slab serif fonts were all the rage back in the 2000s uh, when, when custom web fonts really became big and it was possible to do technically on the web and web browsers. Uh, a lot of people started using slab serif fonts for whatever reason. Uh, there was a, a really nice one that was, uh, I forget the exact name of it. It's like Chunk 5 or some goofy name like that, but everyone was using it. You started seeing it on, on packaging, on grocery products and stores, slab serif fonts everywhere. It got really overused, and I think uh, for the most part, uh, everyone moved on since that era of the early to mid-2000s. Uh, so, so even though I stumbled across this slab serif font and really liked how it looked, uh, I, I was very hesitant to use it in this design at first because you know I didn't want this to feel strangely dated. Like, why does this new design feel like something from... 15 years ago. <laughs> uh, but as I started to play with it, and as I started to, to integrate it into this design I was working on for the site, uh, I just felt like it was fun. It was fun. It felt, felt kind of new in a slightly retro way, the way that things can be when you bring them back. So if you see slab serif fonts make a big comeback in the next few years, uh, let it be known that I started it. <laughs> 
I began the trend of slab serif fonts on the web again. You heard it here first, folks. Anyway, uh, so so between the slab serif font, Helvetica now, uh, these crazy colors, uh, everything just looks very, very new and very, uh, very exciting. Uh, somebody might say distasteful, honestly. Like, I fully admit that if you go to this site, you're either going to like it or you're going to kind of hate it. And I decided to try that. I, I, I tend to stick to more conservative designs when I'm working on websites, you know, something that's going to appeal to the most people and not be too polarizing. Uh, and I think, you know, for, for different kinds of clients I work with, that's often wise to, to go that route. Um, but for my personal site, I decide to be a little bit dangerous. I decide to be a little bit out there, a little bit odd. And, you know, I think there's a little bit of an underground movement right now to to bring back the homepage in the sense of this sort of weird, goofy, not perfectly designed <laughs> kind of like method of personal expression that we saw in the early days of the web. And I wanted to try that here. I wanted to have something that was a little quirky like that. Uh, so let me know what you think. If you love it, if you hate it, just uh, go to jaredwhite.com, click message, and let me know. I have a couple other quick points to make before I move on here. I changed my tagline to something uh, a little bit new. It's not really describing who I am as a person, which is generally what I've done with my tagline, like, you know, writer or musician or podcaster or whatever. I decided to, to make a little bit of a different statement here. So what I ended up saying is, Jared White, expressively publishing on the open web since 1996. A few aspects to that. One, expressively publishing. What does that mean? Well, for me, the thing that's always been amazing about the web, the thing that blew my mind when I first got on the internet, was that mere individuals could express themselves, could publish whatever they wanted on the web. You could do that without having to pay a bunch of money, without having to go through corporate gatekeepers, without having to have some kind of infrastructure. You know, in the old days, you know, maybe you drafted some kind of leaflet and tried to find a printing press somewhere and tried to distribute stuff and it was kind of independent, but uh, it still cost money. It was hard to do. It only reach a relatively small number of people. Uh, but the internet was just this wide open new space of expression and creativity. And it just blew my mind back in the 90s. And it still does. It's still every day. If I really think about it, I just realize what, what an incredible invention the web is. How amazing is it that we get to click a few buttons and type a few keystrokes and we're publishing things that the entire world can enjoy. So expressively publishing, it's very important to me. Open web is very important to me, not a closed system, not a proprietary system, not a system that is being manipulated or censored or controlled by corporations or governments. The true open web, this is a core value of mine. I've talked about it before on the show. I'll continue to talk about it. I'll continue to write about it, how important it is that the web remains open and free. And so it's not just you know, having a website. It's not just about having a blog. It's about being part of the open web. And finally, since 1996. Yes, this is the crazy thing. I've been publishing on the web since 1996. 
And if you don't believe me, I have a link in the show notes to the Internet Archive of my first real website, the Internet Review, also called iReview. And I'll even read you the little about page from iReview back in late 1996. And I'll just point out that I was only 13 (laughs) when I was working on this. I was a youngster, that's for sure. Uh, So young teenager on the web, getting geeky. It was a lot of fun. So here's my about page. iReview, formerly the Internet Review, was started by Jared White in September 1996 for the purpose of presenting timely information in a useful, easy-to-read format. The internet has opened up the way for anybody with a computer, modem, and internet account to present information to the rest of the world, completely eliminating the monetary concerns of publishing. (laughs) Oh boy, my idealistic 13-year-old self. (laughs) That's funny. Completely eliminating the monetary concerns of publishing as well as removing the barrier between the big monopolistic publishers and the people at large. Oh, this is so funny. I can barely get through this. (laughs) Often, the information from regular people is as useful, or even more useful, than the information from the monetarily controlled media. (sighs) Things don't change much, do they? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, here, here I am in the year 2019, and I'm still on this bandwagon. This is so funny. Anyway, so more useful than information from the monetarily controlled media. Well, we're regular people, and we sincerely hope that the information we have to present is informative, useful, and interesting. If it is not, we'll never know unless someone tells us. So please email Jared White at jwhite at sonic.net and tell us what you think. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. And here's a fun fact. I still have that email address, jwhite at sonic.net. <laughs> it still works. I still have that email address. That is truly bizarre. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so there I was, 13 years old in 1996, publishing what was basically a blog with articles and reviews of things. I actually wrote an article comparing Internet Explorer 3.0 to Netscape 3.0, among other things. And you can still read all that on the Internet Archive, which is just mind-boggling to me. I can't believe they've managed to preserve all this, which is great, because I've long lost all the computer equipment and disks and whatever back in that era. Uh, So if it weren't on the Internet Archive, it would be lost. Um, So I greatly appreciate that, and I invite you to to check that out if you're interested. Also mention real quick on jaredwhite.com, I have a link to the IndieWeb web ring, And this is a new attempt to bring back the concept of the web ring, which was kind of like a directory of people that had websites that would blog or post whatever. uh, And you could actually like click forward and back arrows and it would take you to random sites in the ring. So you could just kind of browse around and check out people's sites that way. Um, That's a little tricky in my opinion, uh, just because everyone puts these links in different places on their homepage. So some places it might be down in the footer, and there was one site I went to that had infinite scrolling. So you'd scroll down, and before you could click on one of the web ring links, it would load the next batch of blog posts, and those links would disappear. (laughs) 
So that doesn't work really well, but thankfully they have a directory. So you can just click on the IndieWeb WebRing link itself and see a directory of profiles. And I am on that directory now. I just finished getting that set up. So that's really fun. And if you want to join the IndieWeb WebRing, there's just a few small technical things you need to do your website to join. And they have information on their site how to do that. All right, so that's it for my website. And of course, the podcast cover has changed to match this new branding for the website, new Jared White Show podcast cover, which I think looks pretty snazzy. And it has the podcast tagline in the cover art, which is cool. So uh, I encourage you to, to share this with your friends, with whoever you think will be interested in the topics I cover on this show, uh, freedom on the web, uh, creative expression, pop culture, all sorts of things. Speaking of the rest of this show, it is about pop culture for the most part, as well as a little bit of technical stuff. Um, Mainly this article I want to share with you about how Microsoft, of all people, has a web browser for the Mac now. This is brand new. Microsoft has brought their Edge browser to the Mac. However, it's not the Edge browser that they've had in the past for Windows. This is a new browser that they're releasing on both Mac and Windows that uses the Chromium, Chrome, Chromium, <laughs> however you say that, browser engine. Basically the, the browser engine that's in Chrome. And so they've, you know, they've switched away from their own proprietary browser engine in a, and are using the Chrome browser engine basically and working with Google to sort of continue joint development efforts together, which has pros and cons. But one of the pros is that Microsoft, it's much easier for them now to release a browser for the Mac. So they've done so. You can download it. I've tried it out, and uh, it seems pretty nice. It doesn't feel that different from Chrome in in most respects, but uh, it's an interesting alternative. And the weird thing at this point is that I trust Microsoft more than I trust Google to do right by the internet, which is just bizarre. It's truly strange to hear these words coming out of my mouth, considering that I lived through all the, the browser wars of the 90s and all the monopolistic stuff that Microsoft did back then in all sorts of arenas. So to, to see Microsoft now as the good guy is very odd. But uh, yeah, I think um, other than Firefox, which I do use occasionally, uh, Safari is my main web browser of choice, but I also use Firefox. Uh, besides that, I think probably my third go-to browser I'll play around with generally will be Edge. Uh, I prefer not to use Chrome ever for anything. I'll occasionally fire it up for web development purposes to check a few things. But uh, but now I can use Edge for that because Edge is more or less Chrome. So I can ditch Chrome for testing stuff and use Edge and, you know, trust that the the browser engine is is pretty much in sync there. So that's interesting. Uh, And if you want to try it out, the link is in the show notes. Now, this next article, I want to warn you, it is about Avengers Endgame. And there are many spoilers. Spoilers abound. So you have been warned. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uh, If you have not seen Avengers Endgame yet, please jump forward uh, five minutes or so after I finish talking about this article. 
so much has been written about Avengers Endgame. Everyone's talking about it. It's such a huge movie. It's such a cultural phenomenon right now. Uh, one of the best things I've read about it is an article at Playboy.com. And don't let that steer you away from this, by the way. It's totally safe for work. It's, you know, there's nothing uh, risque going on here on this page. It's just an article written by Danny Fernandez, who, among other things, is a host of the Nerdificent podcast. And the article's titled, How Avengers Endgame Tackles Failure, Morality, and Finding Purpose. I really like this article because it talks about one of the most intriguing aspects of Avengers Endgame, which is basically the first the first act of the movie, well, beyond the, the little sort of initial bit of the movie where everyone's trying to figure out how to get Thanos again, but that that gets resolved shockingly quickly, so <laughs> once they kill Thanos, it's like, well, now what? And then we get this unbelievable, like, I was in the movie theater and Everybody was like, <gasps> when it goes five years later. I mean, everyone just was losing it at that point. Like, what is happening? So, uh, so yeah, once we really get into that five years later and see how the, the snap, the snapping has affected everyone, it's, it's really interesting and something that I think we just haven't really seen much of, or at least it hasn't been done well in this genre of superhero movie, which is people dealing with grief, people dealing with loss in, in very human, very realistic ways. Uh, you know, I think one of the most amazing parts is to see Captain America just kind of hanging out in some basement somewhere with the support group and people are sharing their feelings about how they've dealt with the loss of loved ones and friends and, you know, all these people that are just gone and how, how do you move on from that and trying to trying to venture forth into some sort of new life and not just give way to utter despair and you know seeing cap there is just just a just a regular guy just helping people work through this and you know it, it's not just that you see a superhero in this kind of context it's that there aren't many superhero characters that could even do that you know think about it like who who are you going to see leading a support group to deal with grief Batman, <laughs> the Arrow, the Flash, <laughs> Doctor Strange. <laughs> I mean, most of the characters you can think of in the Marvel shows, in the movies, in the in the DC movies, TV shows. I mean, maybe Superman because he's like the you know the decent chap sort of character of of the DC universe. You know, maybe Superman could do something like that. Uh, but just, there are just very few characters that could convincingly pull off this context of, hey, I'm just I'm just a regular guy now and trying to work through stuff and trying to help you work through stuff. And, you know, let's try to do this together. Let's let's be, you know, real and honest and, and vulnerable here. Uh, it's it's really an, an aspect of this movie that I think is what makes it so great. If they didn't have that, if they just kind of jumped right into a bunch of action, like, let's figure out how to reverse this and let's try to save the day once again. Like, it just, it wouldn't resonate emotionally the way this movie does. It's it's a really emotional movie, <laughs> to, to be honest. Like, I, I was not prepared for the level of emotion I felt watching it. You know, you go into these movies sort of thinking, oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be geeky. This is going to be a, a great adventure. 
Um, and then you're sitting there just like crying and going, what is happening? And oh my gosh, this is so terrible. And like that, that really speaks to the level of care, the level of quality that the, the filmmakers put into this movie. And Danny Fernandez really does a good job to, to break this all down. She talks about the various character arcs of the characters, you know, what Thor goes through, what Nebula goes through, uh, you know, scenes like Bruce Banner as this new Professor Hulk type character. You know, he's there comforting Thor, saying, you know, you're in a rough spot. I've been there myself. You helped me out of it once. You know, it's okay to cry. Like, <laughs> Uh, it, it, I think I think this article really does a great job of of presenting this this aspect of the movie and why it's so important and why it it helps people uh, and I consider myself one of them that that deal with depression and and mental health issues at times and you know this this need to be able to find ways to to be vulnerable and to be expressive and not just bottle it in. So great link, check that out. And again, if you have not seen Avengers Endgame, I am now ending the spoiler section. So if you're if you're trying to uh, navigate through this podcast, it is now safe again. No more spoilers. I have finished talking about this article about Avengers Endgame. Moving right along, a channel called FXit in Post on YouTube has posted this really intriguing reimagined duel between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Famously, people have talked about that initial lightsaber duel in the original movie and how, compared to later lightsaber duels, it's pretty clunky, it's pretty staid. Uh, and, you know, at the time, people didn't necessarily think that because this was all completely new and the technology to make the movie was like not even really something anyone could have imagined or foreseen yet. Um, but in hindsight, when you go back and watch that original Star Wars movie, Star Wars A New Hope, and you see that duel, it's kind of meh. So this this YouTube channel did a reimagining and... They basically did a bunch of CG wizardry to expand this duel and have Darth Vader and Obi-Wan really go at it. And I greatly enjoyed it. I thought it was very well done. I mean, you could tell it was CG at times, but come on. Like, <laughs> being able to do this at all is something impressive. Um, and so there's a link in the show notes to this video and to the original scene as it was originally shot. So you can compare the two. And um, there, there's been some people talking about, you know, whether this this new fancy pants duel that measures up to to modern filmmaking, modern action adventure sort of sequences, uh, if it really does anything to help the story, does it make it any better? Does it, you know, does it really serve any purpose other than to just look flashy? Um, but I think, you know, it, if you're going to have a scene where the big bad of your entire saga is fighting, you know, what ends up being one of the the greatest heroes of the universe, and they're they're having this this epic fight. Uh, you, you you want it to look pretty cool. <laughs> you don't want them to just be like, boom, bam, boom. Okay, you can kill me now. Uh so yeah. So I think you know if if someone were to make a new hope today, obviously it would be this big epic battle that you 
you know, something along the lines of what you see in this reimagining. So I really enjoyed it. I'm curious what you think about it and how it compares to the original. Let me know. And last but not least, for this episode's Creator of the Week segment, I would like to tell you all about Allison Tabitha. She is creating tutorials and showing off videos and photos of her cosplay efforts, her transformational capabilities through makeup and costuming. And it is really, really something. It really blows me away when I look through her catalog here. I'm, I'm a very new fan. I just joined her Patreon, um, but I, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, her most recent post is her as Iron Man, uh, as Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> yes, she transformed herself into Robert Downey Jr. Uh, and that was really fun. Uh, she's uh, She has pictures of her as David Bowie, uh, she has this incredible Nebula makeup tutorial where she single-handedly transforms herself into Nebula, Audrey Hepburn, uh, Edward Scissorhands, Wonder Woman. Anyway, she just she does a really great job, and th- th- this is a genre that's become very explosive in recent years. There's there's so many people doing cosplay, uh, particularly women, and in some cases, you know, they're doing this sort of sexy risque take on cosplay and getting the views because of that i think in in some respects and i'm not saying that's good or bad i'm just saying you know that's what it is sexy cosplay videos photos is a thing Um, but she's not going for that she's just doing i don't know what you'd call it standard cosplay (laughs) and doing a really really good job of it so i think she deserves some accolades for that I'm really enjoying it, and so that's why Elisa Tabitha is this episode's Creator of the Week. And that wraps it up for today. Thanks so much for listening. As always, you can go to jaredwhite.com to subscribe to my newsletter, mark up this, as well as uh, check out other blog posts and articles and podcast episodes and so forth that you will find there. And also, I don't normally say this, but I'll say it now. If you really like this show and want to support it, uh, please go to the Apple Podcasts directory on uh, iTunes specifically, because I think that's where you can leave a review most easily. And please leave a review of this podcast at Apple to let folks know how you've enjoyed it and why they should be interested in it. I would greatly appreciate it. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I will see you next time. Bye. Jerry Rachel.